Well, hello there, you beautiful, wonderful, smart, intelligent, taste-filled people. There's a word for that. It's not coming to mind, but um, I'm praising you. So, so <laughs> are we going to eat people? That's now? it. Delicious. Yes, that's it. Um, <laughs> welcome to Fudson Films Cannibal episode. <laughs> welcome back to another compare and contrast episode of Hudson Film. I am Drew. With me tonight, Scott. Hello. And let's just get into it. On the 22nd of July 2011, a white supremacist ethno-nationalist terrorist, or, to put it in for terms, Nazi, mm. called Anders Bering Breivik, killed eight people with a van bomb in the government district of Oslo. Then, disguised as a police officer, he drove the 24 miles from the capital to the island of Utøya, which was hosting a political summer camp for teenagers. There, over the course of 72 minutes, Breivik murdered 69 further people, injured more than 100 and left hundreds, if not by extension thousands of people psychologically scarred. So before I go on, Scott, can you believe this is seven years ago? No, well, it, it, it is at once very close and very far away. Events recently have been so horrible <laughs> on a number of yes, levels, that's um, true. and there's so many like shootings in America that, that happen uh, almost frequently. That's uh, sometimes easy to actually let this one slide away into in the past without remembering it. But at the same time, it's got to be the worst atrocity in Europe, certainly of this nature, that's been for ages. So it's, it's still at once at the forefront of your mind and sort of pushed away by the tumult of events. So, so. And so that really was just an aside in my introduction, yeah. but it, just, it struck me while watching these films. Had somebody told me that this was only two years ago, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Yes. And that suddenly it's like 2011, really, because I mean, his name has been stuck in my head all this time. Yeah, anyway. and uh, I mean, when I knew, heard these films were, were made, and I did feel like it was awfully close to the event. I mean, it's I suppose it's not in reality, in, in actual temporal terms, but it does feel very fresh uh, still, at least, at least to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, simply a thought, but I suspect that most people listening to us in Europe certainly are going to have been aware of this, mm. um, and the name Anders Bering Private to be similarly unpleasantly associated with death. In one of those curiously common quirks of the film industry, two films addressing the events of that day were released in the UK only 16 days apart back in October. The first, entitled simply 22nd July, comes from Bloody Sunday and United 93 director Paul Greengrass. Based on the book One of Us, The Story of a Massacre in Norway and Its Aftermath by Norwegian journalist Asne Selstad. Seierstad? Ishne Seierstad. My Norwegian pronunciation, I can pretty much manage Anders Bering Breivik because that's quite like German. It's easy. I apologise to this journalist. (laughs) Of the two films, this is by far the more conventional take on an event such as this. Greengrass's film mostly focuses on Breivik himself, his actions, including several point-blank executions, and then his self-justifications, as well as the preparations for his trial. The victims aren't forgotten. Here they are represented in large part by 18-year-old Violier Hansen, Jonas Strand Gravely, who suffered several gunshot wounds, including one to his head that left him with bullet fragments lodged near his brainstem, and who became determined to perform a speedy physical recovery so that he would be able to walk into court by himself and testify against Breivik. However, it's Breivik who is, and I choose these words deliberately, the star of the show, and his viewpoints and beliefs that are evinced, even if we can reasonably assume that these views are not shared by Greengrass. 
it is this arguably harmful spotlighting of the views and actions of the perpetrator in such films that is the reason for her other film, Norwegian director Eric Pope's Utøya, July 22nd, purposely refusing to show happenings from Breivik's perspective, or indeed to show him at all, beyond a few fleeting glimpses of a shadowy figure. Pope's film is told from the point of view of one camp goer, Andrea Bernsen's Kaya, a fictional character based on the amalgamated experiences of the real victims and drawn from more than 40 interviews from survivors of that day. Rather than showing the aftermath as the US film does, the Norwegian film focuses solely on the attack and only from the point of view of the young people on the island. After a very brief introduction in Oslo with the bomb exploding, the action plays out on Utøya Island as a single take, unbroken and in real time, as the teenagers first discuss the events in Oslo, before things begin to become nothing less than a waking nightmare for them. Desiring to bring veracity and accuracy to his portrayal of events, and to do justice to the memories and experiences of the victims, Pupa had both the blessing and collaboration of survivors, some of whom were in fact on set at all times to act as a consultant and keep him straight. He even went so far as to have all of the gunshot sounds be replicated on set, and for the number and even the position of them to be accurate. In total, Breivik fired a scarcely believable more than 500 shots that day, and every single one of them can be heard in the film, coming from different directions and different distances as Kaya and her peers huddle in the undergrowth or tight against a cliff face. It's intense stuff. So, Scott, just, I don't know if we need to begin with one in particular. What did you make of these? Well, can I just say first, as a victim of um, scheduling and circumstance, I wound up watching these on the same day, one after each other, and I was harrowed off my nut. Um, I've not been... They're both very harrowing films, and uh, both are definitely worth watching. Neither of them are remotely enjoyable. In particular, the the Harry Potter film is almost unbearably tense. Yes. Um, But... I don't think I've seen anything like it. It's hard to say that I, I would enjoy it. Um, if this was the sort of film that was released as a, a thriller or a horror film, I'd, I'd no doubt I'd been singing its praises from the rafters, but there's something about knowing that this is maybe not objective reality, but it's close enough to it that it feels like it is, uh, that this actually happened. That this, these events were done by a, a real person who killed real people. And th- th- there's something about watching that and watching how it's been turned into this unbearably tense film that makes it incredibly affecting. And it's, in many ways, damaging to your psyche. Uh, it's easier to process Paul Greengrass's film because it feels more like uh, the standard treatment of this kind of thing. Um, and it is, in its own way, every bit is upsetting, but it's far more conventionally done. And... Uh, Again, we can question, we'll probably get into it further on as to what the actual utility of these films are, but both stand as very worthy memorials to the events of what happened there and to the victims, and as ways of condemning the actions of the Reykjavik. Yeah, two incredibly powerful films, and I think they're definitely worth watching, but God, they're they're hard. <laughs> they're hard watching. Especially the Norwegian film. Yes. I didn't find... I think we will refer to them either as the Norwegian and American film or Greengrass and Popa's film because the names are nigh on identical. Um, So we will just get confused and confuse our listeners otherwise. 
Greengrass's film, I think perhaps because it's so conventional, it didn't have the greatest impact on me. I mean, certainly there are some shocking moments. That just as I mentioned, there are several point blank executions. Yeah, um, I'd argue that there isn't really a lot of utility in showing it quite as graphically as he did. I mean, not graphic in terms of gore or anything, but graphic in terms of just that uh, this is a man who walks up to real people, shot them real dead with real guns, and this mm. is showing that. And it's um, but to show it in quite such a straightforward manner not convincing the utility of it it's certainly shocking it leaves you in no doubt at all about the type of person this was because he killed 77 people it's a a terrifying number but when you hear about things like that on the news and stuff it's so easy to abstract it Um, and this certainly makes it personal Mm -hmm. so some utility in some of them Uh, the rest of it I'm not sure the thing is, I kind of, well, I enjoy is really not the word to use for this. There's got to be a better word. Um, and I suspect other languages may have exactly the word. English, I feel we've got to kind of fudge around a bit. Yeah, appreciate is the closest I can come to for this sort of thing. Appreciate yeah. or be engaged by yeah. is uh, probably the two two closest ways I could think to describe it. Uh, and while I did find this film engaging till the end, I did find in many ways that it had largely told its story within 30 minutes and then it went on for another two hours mm-hmm. after that and not that I was bored by those two hours but that it largely done everything said everything about what happened in 30 minutes and the rest of it didn't feel as important or as powerful and it's dealing with the aftermath of the victims using Villar largely as a proxy for a lot of them yeah so I don't want to diminish his suffering or that of any of the other victims. I don't want to say that it wasn't important. But I just don't think it it had as much substance in the the other four-fifths of that film that the first fifth had. Yeah, um, I was surprised that the events were over so quickly too. Um, and I, I don't think the rest of the film does an awful lot to justify it. I can see some utility in the process of reckoning with what what happened that's partly, as you say, through the, the VR character and also through the lawyers, th- just through him being fed into the court system and by going through all that process and sort of uh-huh. as a nation being able to come to come to terms with what this guy did and then beat out justice accordingly. But that doesn't seem like anything like the most remarkable part of what's happening on in, in this uh, events and a lot of it is not quite wallowing in the fact that he was a really bad man who did really bad things but it doesn't seem to be adding an awful lot more onto it than that um, it, it didn't seem to be making any sort of real point that needed to be made I mean I, I don't yeah. think there, there's no one out here batting for this guy he's a monster but we knew that already and I don't see that this digging it up and repeating it particularly over that last hour really helps I mean, I'm not going to. You can't really humanise him. You can't empathise with him because he's a freak. He's a monster. Um, and while it's, it's the the character, uh, the VR character, um, is you know inspiring, and I thought that was the quite a perfectly valid way to do that. But I'd almost rather that Brett just went out of the scene entirely by that point because I don't care about him. I don't. 
I don't care to know any of his ideology because we know his ideology is monstrous and discredited and shouldn't be given the, the oxygen of publicity. It's uh, garbage. I know there's some say that sunlight's the best disinfectant, but talking about it's not helping at this point. That's exactly the problem I have with this film and why Eric Popa's film had considerably more impact on yeah. me was that, and you see it time and time again, to go back to the United States, you know, the only country that routinely has mass shootings. Yeah. And they keep on, you keep on seeing these things like, uh, you shouldn't give these people um, coverage after their shootings. It's what they want. It legitimizes them. It brings them into the public eye and their horrible views. And people never learn. You like a hundred cable news crews turn up and it's on 24 hours a day and like with absolutely nothing to say and they just keep repeating it. Yeah. And I just feel that in some ways this film serves that same purpose it if not legitimizes him gives him a stage yeah which appears to be what he was looking for all along yes exactly that's the problem he's looking for you know popularity to get his views out there's claims that this war is coming whether he believes that or is hoping that something like this would kickstart it which is mm-hmm. I suspect what is is probably closer to the truth so it's when it carries on with Brevik, and he's... I was never quite sure, the way he's portrayed in this, whether he is deluded or was constantly playing people. Yeah. But still, at the same time, they're giving him too much light, and I kind of feel bad for the actor playing him because he did such a good job of making me hate him <laughs> that I don't ever want to see yes. this actor again. <laughs> this guy who looks like Chris Evans cosplaying <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Um, <laughs> Yes, he's joffied himself. Yeah. And I know um, this is such a stupid thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because I never allow that to stop. <laughs> but even before we get to his politics, there's something about his beard made me instantly hate him. Which is, I know, it's just silly, but it's just that silly chin strap, Irma style beard on that particular face. But uh, yeah, it's, it focuses so much on him. And I think not enough on other people. It, yeah, it gives him and his views too much time mm-hmm. and they're hideous unfortunately there are people that that share those views yes more and more seemingly somehow yes uh, frighteningly one of the many things in this the modern reality that i can't wrap my head around is like i thought we'd settled all this yeah. <laughs> i thought we'd decided nazis were bad this didn't seem to be a controversial yeah. thing to say a few years back talking of nazis and actually this i had considered mentioning this and you actually used the term before we began recording so i'm going to mention it now can we just um, other people have called for this too. Can we just stop this whole alt-right nonsense? Um, it doesn't exist. There is no alt-right. That's just a, a more media-friendly term for Nazi. Mm. It's people, <laughs> what people hope that you can say that and people won't realise what it means. It means Nazi. There is no alt-right. It's just a more acceptable term for Nazi. So if people are alt-right, they're Nazis. Let's just call them what they are. They're Nazis. Stop this nonsense. Uh, this film at the beginning describes... So no, the purpose film describes... Breivik as a far-right extremist. That's fine. That's a description rather than mm-hmm. a label. If like that distinction makes sense. But yes, this outright thing, um, which I think Greengrass's film may actually use at some point. No, no, Nazi. Let's just call <laughs> them what they are. Nazi. And uh, as yeah, Scott, uh, I thought we had come to the conclusion they were bad, but apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> there were very good people on both sides. No, no, there aren't. No, there are not. You can 
divide the world up in many ways and dividing the world up in many ways is what many people have done for millennia and what's caused so many problems but you can quite fairly divide the world up to non-Nazis and Nazis <laughs> and realise which one of those is the good side to be on <laughs> Are we the baddies? We have skulls in our helmets uh, yeah, Greengrass's film is well made Like I can't, I can't deny any of that stuff it's, it's very comp- hyper-competently put together He has he showed his love for shaky cam that bothered me in so many of yeah. his other films, certainly the Bond films to just keep this more more of an even keel and it, it's more affecting for it, I think. There's still a fair amount of shaky gam in it, to be fair, but it's it, it's nowhere as like as distracting as, as it perhaps it could be. And it's it's a more complete experience than something like uh, United ninety three, which It's a pretty mundane film for what it was about, really. Yeah. I just keep cycling back to the point that I'm not quite sure what this film is supposed to be proving other than a way of telling the events to people who may have forgotten about it. It's 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 a retelling of the things yeah, that happened and Exactly. It's more it's not like um this is an experience of this happens like mm-hmm. here's the thing that happened, whereas the other film is very much here's what happened, here's what this felt like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just cycling back to what we said at the start, whether it's because it still feels fresh in our minds that we don't need uh-huh. to be reminded of this. And it's more for an audience that perhaps didn't get this on the news cycle. Maybe it is for an American audience. That's why it's all in English language. Um, maybe that's why that decision was made as a way to, to get that out there. But it doesn't feel like it's particularly necessary from where I'm sitting. No. I don't feel like I've understood anything more about anything that happened in here. I feel like I have some more respect for the victims and their their struggles, I suppose, but whether that was the purpose or the point and the reason to put all this much effort and money into making this film, I'm not sure that's quite uh, backing up what it's, uh, what it's chose to achieve. Yeah, I had, I had similar feelings too that, yeah, the, this victim's always had my sympathy. It's not yes. telling me anything or telling it in a different way here. Mm-hmm. It's not like Brickwick's um, a, a misunderstood character who who we're trying to gain sympathy for, and like that is you know, quite the opposite, obviously. But I mean, this was this, these are all established facts. I don't think there's. I, I don't know why we're telling this tale again. Uh, yeah. it, it, it seems like something that is better served by a actual documentary or a simply replaying the news again it's a story we've heard before and I don't think there's any spin in it that makes Greengrass's film worthwhile watching. While it is still harrowing if you don't know the details of this then I would highly recommend it because it's it's a good sketch of what happened in the aftermath and how Norway chose to deal with it. So uh, from an outsider perspective where you don't, maybe don't know anything about it or remember very little of it I can see that this could be a better film to watch you get more out of the film than I did. Uh, whereas I was watching it, I could appreciate most of what it was doing. Well shot, great performances. It's, it's, it's a really well put together film, but I just didn't see the need for it. And yeah. that's probably the, 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 my main takeaway from it. It's, it's a very good film that I just did not need to watch. Yeah, I I don't know about the need to watch, but I I felt very similar to you, Scott. And, and I said, I really, I feel like it dispatched most of its... Uh, its story within the first 30 minutes and mm-hmm. everything else wasn't really adding up again and I found it engaging enough to watch um, for two and a half hour runtime, where two hours of it seemed unnecessary <laughs> wasn't bored by it and 
but that is absolutely the opposite of Puppet's film. Yes. Um, that's, this is a film that is only 94 minutes long, including credits, and uh, it feels for the 72 minutes that run in real time from Ryvik's attack beginning to the first children um, being taken away from the island, presumably uh, mm. matching when the, the police have arrived, it feels like an eternity. It's a waking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly the phrase I used in my introduction because it's it is it's harrowing, it's so tense even when you know what happens. But it's it, not one bit of it seems over the top. Again, as I mentioned, he had he produced this working from interviews with um, forty different survivors, basing some characters and amalgam of them and of things that happened so there are some things are invented but some are like based on like the general mood like mm-hmm. for instance the people singing or like you know some people trying to use humor just to survive while they're waiting to know whether they're going to be shot or not yeah and then like people attending to other people in the forest and things for the 72 minutes it feels like hours i don't mean like an hour it's dragging will this film be over sort of way it's like you are put in this the position of this character Kaya, and you follow her, and the the camera's really close on her for most of the time, and it's, it's either looking directly at her face or the people just close to her, or it's acting as if it is a person who's with her, yes, who's also yeah. hiding. So sometimes all you're seeing, and for, there are large sections where you're just seeing almost static shots of people lying very still in the undergrowth in the forest or the lens is nearly buried into the mud of a hillside next yeah. to the the sea and you think that really sounds visually boring it is not it's it's unbearable yeah it, it's um, it's almost like a virtual reality experience it's yeah, uh, terrifying yeah, it's, <laughs> it's put you really right into the middle of this in a way more effectively than pretty much anything else i can think of off the top of my head mm-hmm to make you feel that you're here. And I had one minor quibble, is that because I know what gunshots sound like and they catch the, the sound design in the Paul Greengrass film, they sound like real gunshots, so there's a crack to a rifle shot. Mm. Whereas the Eric Popa's film begins with the people wondering whether those are fireworks, which is a reasonable thing given the nature of the sound and if people aren't familiar with the guns. And interesting note, Norwegian for firework appears to be China Puff. <laughs> a very literal translation from their origin, I guess. But it's just for the rest of it, it didn't strike me as gunfire. That's a real. That's the most minor quibble. So it just um, it doesn't really matter for the setting. It just because it's, the sound is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the actual survivors, I thought that it would be a very distinctive sound that they wouldn't forget. But knowing that. Oh, again, over 500 charges were let off to replicate the shots that Brian fired that day on the set. And they filmed the same thing five days in a row. The one that actually made the final mm-hmm. cut is the third day. But so you can imagine these actors doing this and they're not knowing. They knew that the the number of shots was matched up with the reality, but the actors never knew exactly the right number. And mm-hmm. so you can see them like counting it. Like you can imagine the actual people there at the time were doing it. That's incredible performances in there. But so this seventy two minutes, it feels like a lifetime it's you know, like you can't believe that it's only just over an hour by the time it gets to the end. 
of this incredibly tense, almost unbearably tense attack where people, they don't know what's happening. That's the because they're hearing shooting and they don't know what's happening at first. And then something that weirdly didn't occur to me when it ought to have done during the Paul Greengrass film, Breivik is disguised as a police officer. Mm-hmm. But because we know he's not a police officer... Um, and we've seen the setup of him putting the uniform on and pretending that he's a cop to get onto the island at the beginning. Yeah, I don't really think I'm not as an an audience member. You're not confused. You you understand what's going on. So I didn't think about it. But during the Norwegian film, and they're saying one of the pers- the people comes and he's he's run away and saying, "Is the police? Is the police just shooting us?" And it suddenly yeah. occurred to me how horrendous that must have been the yeah. place where people are meant to save you but what you're hearing is reports that it's the police that are shooting you yeah I can't even begin to imagine how terrifying and confusing that must feel and how difficult it's going to be at the point when the real police arrive on the island yeah to trust them and not just run away possibly be chased into Breivik's path by real police because he's you're hearing reports that it's a police officer that's shooting people so the, the film is full of of uh, terrifying ideas like that, mm-hmm. uh, massively tense. And then at the same time, you're thinking, but, but Otoya is only twenty four miles from Oslo. Twenty four miles, and more than seventy two minutes later, the police still haven't arrived. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a helicopter at one point. You think it's coming to rescue, him, but it's a press helicopter full of cameras. <laughs> and it's, so at the same point, while you're you're feeling so terrified for these young people who, again, he mur- murdered 69 people. The fact he only killed 69 in 72 minutes is miraculous given how long he had to just roam free. Yeah. But you're just, oh, you just, the, the fact it took so long and, and you're so invested in this, and this, this, there's so much tension there. And you're wondering how these kids must be just, how are they ever going to go? Because it just seems to go on for so long. Yeah, and that's just as a viewer of a film. <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it it really is quite remarkable. To say I, I I don't think I've seen anything like it. I'm not sure I want to see anything like it again. <laughs> uh, great as it is, uh, I don't think my heart could take it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just a tremendously powerful uh, work. Um, astonishing that it's managing to do this, uh, and it seems. When you hear it explained, it seems like a simple idea, but it's not one that I've seen executed anything like this well no. uh, before. And it's it's just so, as I say, it's just such an unbearably tense experience that really is quite an astonishing uh, piece of filmmaking. Yeah, I think um, it, it's such an interesting take on it. So I really applaud him for for his desire for the accuracy, so, but also for. Um, for Popa not wanting to give Breivik another platform. Mm-hmm. The, the whole idea behind this is, no, no, he's had enough time, he's had enough coverage, this is from the victims. It's for the victims, it's from their point of view. Yeah, I mean, and even the survivors are clearly victims. You can't, the victims are not the only people that died here. And we've talked earlier about utility. This, I think, has more because I can't think of many of the films that have portrayed something like this in this way from this point of view certainly not in the such a tense and to do in such a sustained manner I think there is utility I don't think anybody anybody with any empathy which is the majority of the human race can even have no concept of how this feels I don't think you'd have anything but empathy and sympathy for the suffering of people that have gone through this Mm -hmm. 
But when you see, like the Paul Congress films, like, okay, this is horrific. A horrific thing has happened. We appreciate the struggle of people having to get over this. Like, for instance, um, it's similar to, although the focus is less on Uvilia, Uvilia than it was on him, but like Jake Gyllenhaal and Strong, which is about a survivor of the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm-hmm. There's a similar thing there. And I've seen it lots of times. It doesn't mean it's not worthy, but of like this horrible thing happens, have to overcome the physical difficulties and the emotional difficulties. It's been done before. Again, doesn't mean it's not worthy, but I think there's real utility in doing this so intensely from this point of view of it happening while it's happening. Yeah. To really get an eye whether there's a, a real utility on a societal level. Probably not, unfortunately, but still I think for anybody watching, you, just, you really appreciate just like what allowing people to do or at least not trying to stop people from doing such horrendous things does to people yeah there's probably a point in there somewhere (laughs) (laughs) i did wonder at some points if it was being a little bit exploitative but i think on balance no it's not i mean it's done with so much uh, buy-in from the victims that it's not something that could really be accused of it um if you didn't know that much about it if you came to this blind if you just thought you were watching a horror film maybe it would could be but yeah, it's, it's. I don't really have any any particularly deeper insightful things to say about it. It's just that it's so exceptionally powerful that um, yeah. it's recommended. Again, maybe not the right term for it, but um, uh, certainly I've, I've seen nothing like it, and that's a recommendation in and of itself. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting. I mean, careful with any sort of words that sound positive. Yes, <laughs> positive points of view of how it's done and the how well it's done but you know not positive in anything that's actually in it because it's horrible it's, it's mm. a horrendous thing it's a really interesting point of view to take on it and it's so well done and I really really appreciate the care that the director has taken that to get that buy-in from the survivors to ensure that it was for them it doesn't feel exploitative it doesn't f- and it, nor does it feel in any way mawkish yeah. sentimental it, it's it's purely emotional but as like as an experiential emotion mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite an incredible thing i'm i'm really glad to watch it but i also I'm, wish i hadn't in some ways because <laughs> it's, it's such an intense experience and it's so it's so just horrible i, I don't think it becomes it gives you even a fraction of what it's really like to um experience that which is good who wants to yeah <laughs> but i think it's probably the closest film has ever come for me to really giving you some idea of just what it would be like to be in that situation yeah um but sometimes you'll see like war journalism footage of people being under fire and things and you get some sense of the the pressure the tension that sort of thing from that but this is very different it's like it's a bunch of school kids in the woods yeah and somebody's just murdering them it's a gazillion um, a word I'm not used since I was a kid like a gazillion times more terrifying <laughs> than any horror film has ever been I don't know have you seen Hereditary? <laughs> Tony Clay um, either got an award or an award for that which which amused me no end um, <laughs> so maybe I'll just laugh at you how awful Hereditary is will take the edge off of how terrible <laughs> this, the experience of this film is and terrible in a good way that's, that's a really mixed up sentence yes <laughs> <laughs> you've seen it you know what I mean yeah yeah it's as an experience as a piece of filmmaking 
recommended is a really difficult word to use for this. Yeah. It is horrible, but it is definitely worth watching if you're interested in the power of cinema to convey experience. Yeah. It's really impressive from that point of view. Yes, it's been emotional. Okay, so I think in conclusion, both of these films are worth watching. And if you're not particularly familiar with the events, perhaps begin with Paul Greengrass's but if you're to pick one of these as a as a thing to experience, very much go for Eric Popa film Utoya, July twenty second. Yes. The names are really similar, but it'll be very obvious one of them's in Norwegian, one of them's in English. Yes. So you'll know which one you switch. But yes, you watch either but if you're going to watch this one, watch Utoya, July twenty second. Blame us later if you must, but we hope you find it a rewarding experience. Yeah. Um, other than that, that's that's us for now. If you have any thoughts on this podcast, please contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Particularly if you watch either of these films because of us talking about it. We'd like to know what you, you think about them. Really appreciate hearing from you. You can contact us in many ways by email, which is podcast at com, On Facebook, facebook.com slash fudsonfilm or Probably the most straightforward way, assuming you have a Twitter account, is through Twitter, which is um, at FudsOnFilm on Twitter. Really forward to hearing from you. Other than that, all that remains for us, I believe, is to say goodbye. Goodbye. I just did it there, so that's the end now, I suppose. Bye-bye. So I suppose there was things to say after goodbye then, as it turns out. But it was certainly one of the last things that we did. Uh, And you're still saying them. All right, bye. (laughs) 